You wish you had more time in your business, whether you're a small practice, a medium-sized manufacturing facility, just anything within eye care. Many owners and managers, we find ourselves doing task after task after task and never getting our actual work done. I linked up with a company called Unbottleneck. Probably about eight months ago, as I was starting my consulting agency and my media production company, and what they have helped me do is outsource. I actually work with a team of about three or four people, and they're all in South Africa, and they do things for me that I just don't have time for, just little task management items. And this is what the podcast is going to be all about. It's going to be about how to delegate things to other people and allow them to do them. So if it involves a computer or a phone, you can teach other people how to do things. It could be little bookkeeping things. It could be Excel spreadsheets. It could be running reports, phone calls, you name it. This is the episode about getting time back in your life and how to vouch for these people and make sure they're actually getting the job done that you assigned them. One of the great things about outsourcing is you can hire people at a really, really fair and low wage because most of these outsourced folks are in other countries. Before we begin the podcast, have you ever wondered, is there eyewear actually manufactured in the USA? Yes, you've probably heard of some other brands, but there is a new one that's being manufactured in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it's freaking awesome, and they're going to be giving a live factory tour on June 30th, and yours truly is going to be hosting the live event. We're going to be walking around the factory. We're going to be live streaming, showing all the equipment, the live production of eyewear. We're going to go step by step by step. You know, the the CNC milling, the polishing of the frames, inserting the hinges. You're going to see every detailed step of an advanced eyewear manufacturing facility. I invite you to come. You're going to see the brand. It's called North Point Eyewear. And it's kind of going to be a luxury American-made frame brand. And you're also going to get a chance to buy the glasses and see them. So go to the link in the show notes to join me for this live factory tour. This is the world premiere, and it's going to be an awesome event. We're giving away gift cards, Amazon, and uh, there's going to be a lot of, lot of fun. I'll see you there. Go to the link in the show notes to register right now. Welcome to Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes. I'm Dr. Raymond Brill with my co-host, Perry Brill, and we're here to bring you stories about Wizards of Eyes. Yes, what is a wizard, Dr. Brill? Well, these are folks that you may have heard about, may not have heard about. These are people who are actually very successful in doing what they do in all aspects of eye care. We're not talking to self-proclaimed industry geniuses, experts, masters, or gurus because we're talking to wizards of eyes that make it happen each and every day. They are out there working every day in the labs, on the road, in the practices, in surgery suites, making lenses, making frames. Yes, we want to hear these back-of-the-house stories about innovation, entrepreneurship, and make you feel excited to do what you do. We want you to be energized about the whole eye care field. And this is not your big optical program. This is done out of the passion of our hearts. Please go ahead and subscribe to Entrepreneur, the 
podcast for Wizards of Eyes on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or your favorite app. Also, visit itrepreneur.com where you'll find our latest blogs and special video content. That's www.eyetrepreneur.com. Do you ever have tasks in your business or your personal life that you just hate doing? It's miserable. I remember probably about four years ago, I hired a a homekeeper, a cleaner, a maid, whatever you want to call it. And I didn't realize that this like 250 bucks I spent a month made my life 10 times better. Yeah, I paid the cleaner like I think 125 a visit every two weeks. And I got like four hours back in my life. And it was amazing. I came in, the home was clean. She put everything like on my table, all organized and cute and folded the toilet paper. Well, imagine you can kind of have this same service, but for your business. Not cleaning though, actual like administrative tasks, technical tasks, business coaching, business management. Well, I've been using a service from a gentleman named David Kent. He's the co-founder of a company called On Bottleneck. He's based in Washington, D.C., And a lot of the background work that you see of Entrepreneur Media is really facilitated by David's team. And he helps me outsource work. So I don't have to manage these people and I get high quality work. So today we're going to be talking about using your time wisely, outsourcing and getting help in your business without actually having the employees. So welcome to the podcast, David. Hey, Barry. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, I still hate cleaning. And uh, I don't have a cleaner now just because the pandemic, I'm home so much, it's, it's manageable. But, you know, before when it was like 70-hour work weeks, I was like, I need somebody. Yeah, even during the pandemic, I kind of wish I had somebody because ordering all the Amazon boxes and everything over here, I really wish I could have this place cleaned up by somebody else. <laughs> right, right. David, you're a real untraditional guest. You're, you're an outsider to the industry, but so much so that I think it gives you a finer look in. Why don't you start with just your, your professional background? So for a little more than the past decade now, I've started, built, and managed, and even sold some small to medium-sized businesses uh, across various industries. From manufacturing, I worked with a company where we built and sold uh, RC helicopters and airplanes, even to like the Navy for testing. I also worked with e-commerce companies, and even now I'm helping manage some mobile app development companies. And in each of these companies, I would play a leadership role where I would basically be managing the development of teams for marketing and operations to just make sure that the business would run smoothly, but also under, under a budget that was like manageable and sustainable, uh, which is what all of these small businesses need because they, can't, they don't have the budget of the larger companies that can just try something. And if it doesn't work, you know, just go ahead and try something else. Right. Now, um, the, your name of your company is on Bottleneck. What is, first of all, what is a bottleneck? I mean, especially when you're thinking about like a, a, an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, where the classic mindset is, you know, I couldn't possibly train anybody to do what I do. I'm the only person who can do all of these things. It's my business. How could I? I don't even have the time. So that's where actually in those settings, they are a bottleneck. They are in their own way and they can't imagine putting resources ahead of them so that they could free up their own time. So Unbottleneck is basically a company designed to try to help reimagine that classic mindset where you feel stuck and be partnered or paired with a partner in your company where we will find talent that you can depend on, 
that you can trust that you can help use to help free up your own time and start to see how you can actually grow and see the success of your business. Okay. Now you're not just a recruitment agency. You're not calling people at other businesses and saying, Hey, you want to switch jobs? That's right. No, we don't do that. We actually um, have worked with companies throughout the US, but our teams and our talent, they're, they're specially picked through a process that we manage. Okay. That makes sense. Now, how did you get into this whole kind of, I'll call you like offsite chief operating officer type role or outsourcing. How did you get into this? Yeah. So as I was mentioning, like uh, past 10 years, I would be basically responsible for hiring. Um, and I've gone through a lot of the same channels. Anybody who does outsourcing goes through. I managed teams from India, the Philippines, Eastern Europe, all over the world. I spent thousands of dollars doing it. And in the process, I would run into a lot of hurdles that people are probably aware of, things like translation issues. So when you're working with people that are not native English speaking, and that may sound like it's derogatory, it's not really just a practical sense. If you're working with somebody who doesn't speak your same language, you're going to run into guaranteed you're going to run into a hurdle where at some point in the process, no matter how articulate you are, no matter how detailed you are in your instructions, there's going to be a translation issue. And it's either going to be something that was misinterpreted, or maybe it's literally a cultural nuance that you have no idea about and you couldn't have foreseen in the, in the first place. So it's guaranteed that you're going to run into that issue at some point. And if you're doing it over a long period of time, you're going to run into it multiple times and you're not always going to be able to get ahead of it. That's the experience I had over multiple years using agencies out there. And then there's another, there's another process you might go through. So you might also look at like marketplaces. You might look at like Upwork, Fiverr, Freelancer. In those situations, I had probably better success because I could more granularly target who I wanted to fit with my business. But you're still kind of rolling the dice. Um, I'd say my, you know, a generous success rate for me was something closer to like 30% of the time. 30% of the time, I could get a really good fit with a contractor or a freelancer for a project. I've used Fiverr and Upwork to the nth degree. I've developed some awesome relationships, but 30% of the time. And I'll tell you, the best help, they're not cheap on Fiverr. They're like, the term Fiverr means $5 for a project. But what happens is you go to the more premium people who have five-star reviews and you end up paying almost an American wage many times. Yeah. I think there's a common misconception that you get what you pay for, but that's not always true. A higher wage or a higher price doesn't mean you're going to get a higher quality. It's who you're hiring and whether or not they're, they're a good fit. And, that, and finding that is expensive. It takes a lot of time. And things like Fiverr and things like that. Now, the problem with finding somebody that's exceptional in that, especially if you can find them for a rate that's affordable, is that there's a thousand, there's a million other companies out there looking for those same people. If you find a really good person, uh, they're in a marketplace where they're constantly trying to find better wages and you're going to have somebody with a, a bigger budget or a bigger project and eventually you don't have that resource anymore. And as soon as you know you spent all that time to find one of the top 30% people, you're going to have to start from the very beginning after they get snatched up by a company with a better budget. Yeah, I mean, that goes with really any employment. You, you hire someone, you train them really well, they gain a skill set and all of a sudden they're out the door because they're like, whoa, I now have a skill set, um, especially opt opticians or, uh, you know, really skilled optometrist, like, hey, they learn how to sell and they learn how to edge lenses and they're out the door. They're like, I'm going to get a better wage. So we had an interesting story how we came together. I actually was connected through one of your clients, That's right. uh, Savannah, who owns a PPE company. 
she was just trying to get on my podcast, I think. And then she told me about you and I was like, I, I need this. I need help. Um, I have two full-time employees and then you pretty much make up another full-time employee. Your team does. And you help me with event management, general kind of consulting and business too, a lot of copywriting. Can you tell me what, what is outsourcing? What is that term defined today? There's a stigma around it, outsourcing, bad. People who look for outsourcing, the reason they're doing it, there's two reasons. They're trying to find talent. They're looking for a specific talent or they're looking to close on a specific project. And they go to outsourcing because they're trying to do it under a budget that's usually lower than they can actually source locally, if, uh, specifically in the U.S., for example. Now, the risks to doing this are basically everything I described earlier. Uh, you don't always get what you pay for. And the real value in outsourcing is knowing how to find the right talent that, can, that you can depend on. So that's what outsourcing is, is basically trying to find, expand your net to a larger network of talent and see if you can find somebody that's a better price than what you could get locally. Let's kind of define a few roles that outsourcing can help in a business. Tell me about maybe five of your current clients and how they utilize you. And the reason I'm asking this is I'm trying to, as listeners are hearing this, I want them to think, man, maybe that's something that I could get. And I already know a bunch of outsourcing people want bookkeeping, you know, stuff like that. But what are ways your clients use you now? So I mentioned e-commerce, for example, somebody who's running a website and they're trying to sell anything. Actually, they're going to need a lot of different things. They're going to need things like content. They're going to need people that can manage order processing on their website, people that can manage products, adding products, removing products, doing things like putting their products on Amazon, things like that. And then there's other clients that are going to be like, um, let's just describe some of the stuff that we do for you, for example. Um, there's clients just like you uh, that we work with as well that need things like event management. So they want to, they want to, put out campaigns, get people to try to get interested and register for events. Then there's going to be a managing the digital event itself. And then there's going to be things like follow-up, you know, you know, giving them a survey. Uh, how did you like the event? Growing our lists generally, getting them to pay attention to maybe joining a Facebook group or something later down the line. So we would be managing campaigns like that over a long-term process. You mentioned surveys. If you're a B2B company listening to this, I know one of the more successful campaigns we had this year is basically we had a, an eyewear company and they had low engagement from their customers, meaning a lot of their current customers were dissatisfied they were not ordering. Well, you can't just call those customers and ask them, hey, why are you ordering? They're not going to tell you the truth, right? And so we, we had a really advanced email marketing campaign and we surveyed them. People poured their heart out and writing what's going on that's preventing them from ordering. And so that was a way uh, that you guys came up with the idea. You managed the whole campaign for me, the surveying. And then if I would have did that myself, it would have took, I don't know, 120 hours or something. That would have took me three, four weeks to execute, but you guys did it within like five, six days. And I looked good and uh, you got, everyone was happy. So as it works for us, when we work with clients, uh, we do one of two things. We either just pair them up with a contractor or a particular team member specifically that's talented in the areas they need, or in a situation where we're working with like a entrepreneur in a business that they need like a handful of tasks. They don't want to hire five people to do like copywriting and systems management, things like that. We combine team members to uh, partner and do a service in that situation. And then we basically for less than you'd pay for an individual person that you might hire in the U S 
you're going to have like a whole department managed. And that's where we were able to get a few team members, team members together and be able to put together a campaign like that in a short period of time. So I'm glad that worked out well. It was exciting for us as well. And that's the kind of thing that we also have done for uh, another partner of ours that we helped them basically set up a whole CRM process from start to finish. So migrated their emails, set up the CRM, set up the whole sales funnel. And that's another kind of process we do with teams is help people set up their whole, a whole category in their business. Maybe they weren't paying attention to, or they need to improve. Right. If you're a doctor listening to this or a practice manager, he just mentioned CRM that stands for customer relationship manager. As practices, we have what's called like uh, golden data, meaning no other business has social security, phone number, email address, and, and even the family members. So that stuff you can't even pay for and patients give it to us for free because I have to because it's medical. So if you're listening to this, something that you really need to be focusing on is this like niche marketing. If you know you want to market to 10 to 14 year olds, David can help you. Like there is a, a proper way of marketing to those people. And um, you can do it really strategically and gently. It's not forceful, right? All right. I want to talk about a client that, you know, I, I brought you recently because I was like, dude, he needs, he needs your help. Um, he's working in a, um, a Pearl Vision and he was just kind of paying somebody on the sides to do insurance submission of vision plans. And it's really important that we have systems and processes in business. We can't just pay somebody and then trust them to get it done. How do we actually make sure when we outsource something, it gets done? Well, there's a couple of things with that particular client. One of the things we're talking about is trust that we set up an agreement with, with this particular client and making sure that they can trust that we're going to manage inside the parameters you're supposed to in terms of, in terms of HIPAA. So we would, we would sign a business associate agreement with them first to make sure that they're comfortable, that we'd be able to manage their data accurately. And then in terms of like making sure that the project gets done long-term we try to work as transparently as possible. We'll set up one. We've got our own project management system as we're working with the clients. The team members are knowing they're supposed to like log everything that we're supposed to do. And then at the end of the month, we we're going to go ahead and provide reports. You know, what are we working on? What have we done? And what do we plan on working on? And you get to see a report at that at the end of the month. So you get a lot more transparency than you would in a situation where you were just working with a contractor where you'd have to essentially micromanage or force them to be inside of some sort of project management system of your own. You just mentioned something good. You know, sometimes you're like, I just paid $800 and I feel like I didn't get my value worth. Well, when you get that monthly report, you're kind of like, okay, here's the, the timestamp breakdown. Here's what happened. That's right. You mentioned something about the stigma of outsourcing. And there's, uh, there's a couple of things with that that I think are really common. When people think of outsourcing, they usually think of like call centers in India. I mean, it's super, I mean, there's even a show about it, outsourcing. Like literally it's, they think call centers in India, call centers in the Philippines, the problem with this particular stigma is it doesn't really stand up to the reality of what outsourcing does. There's a, like we were just describing, there's really wide scope of all the things that you could be doing outsourcing. And as it relates to Unbottleneck specifically, as I mentioned, like we target one of our criteria is making sure that the native language that our team member speaks is your native language so that there's, it just eliminates any sort of translation issues. The other stigma though is, is kind of a larger one where people look at outsourcing as like, this is taking American jobs, like US jobs are being consumed by this. Therefore, I almost don't even care what they're doing. I don't like it. Now, the reality is, is there's a lot of studies out there that show like US jobs, in fact, all jobs generally are, are being consumed by automation. 
So people usually think, you know, immigration, outsourcing, that's taking our jobs. No, machines are taking your jobs and there's no way to avoid that. <laughs> but as it relates to like, if we just want to focus on how outsourcing, you know, the difference between outsourcing and hiring local, I challenge the idea that that hurts American jobs as well in that, like when you think about solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, super small businesses, that if they were forced to hire based on the wages locally, they would just, they would just close altogether. What's a small business? I think what it's like under 50 million or something like that. Under $50 million. Yeah. It's a good point. So like there's, there's different stats of what a small business represents. When I think of small businesses, I'm thinking of like, super small, like micro businesses, businesses that start, they're like startups. They're people that are independent business owners themselves. Yeah. I kind of think of in my head, it's more like one to 20 employees. Yeah. And when you think about one to 20 employees, like there are some tasks where that business, if you were to outsource and you had like a dependable partner, you might be able to grow that business to be able to actually eventually afford to hire local. Whereas if you were to force a small independent business local wages only, you could eliminate literally jobs that way by eliminating small businesses in the US. The reason I outsource work to you, it could be task work, it could be copywriting, stuff like that, is because you know my executive time is worth a high dollar. I need my time for like really thoughtful interactions and especially networking. I spend half the day on the phone or Zoom and that's one way of me generating revenue by making constantly engaging with my community, making connections. And if I'm having to hammer out an Excel sheet or post something in the computer, that's lost wages for me. So I basically, I'm saving the money so I can reinvest it. So that way I can hire American labor because yeah, sure. I want to hire locally. It's much easier to, to hang out with an American. We have the same cultural values and stuff. Right. Yeah. And outsourcing can just represent, here are the projects that I need done that could free up my time that doesn't represent a full American job. So I work with a lot of South Africans on your team. Why South Africa? They're not all South Africans, but South Africa specifically is a place that we've, we've looked at. They are most of the team members that are from there. The, the English they're trained in is British English. So UK English, when you get, if they supported on the phones or if they supported directly, a lot of times, like, it sounds like they speak better English than we do, which is cool because then I, you know, your eliminates concern, but South Africa, actually the, some of the team members that we work with there, the time zone that you end up working on uh, allows us to make sure that we can work in our own time zone. So I've got team members that uh, are working our hours during that time. They're also every team member that we are vetting through the process that comes from South Africa. Some of them come from Europe, but all of them are native English speaking. They're also tend to be really, really strong work ethic, hard workers, and really easy to work with. So the temperament, the personality, really positive, really hardworking. And uh, that's one of the reasons South Africa is one of the countries we work with. We're going to do a quick advertisement here. And this is going to go over one of my passions in life, and that is cutting cost of goods in private optometry practices. Most times, doctors and opticians spend way too much money on lab bills. We associate the higher cost of a progressive lens with better quality of lens, and that's just so not true. Many of these big brands have tricked us with discounts, with buying groups and alliance groups. You know, they say, hey, you join this alliance group and we'll give you 40% off the list price 
which is just complete bogus. They have marked their prices up on their lab bills only to give you a discount. If you are looking for transparency in lab pricing, good quality lenses at a fair price, I would love to teach you about that. I have placed a link in the show notes of this podcast where you can fill out a form and I will hook you up with an independent lab that will be fair to you, give you great lenses, fast shipping times, and fair prices, and also educate your staff. You do not need the biggest brand lenses and the biggest labs to succeed. Make sure you're doing what's best for your practice and what's best for your patients and cut your cost of goods and make a better profit. Go to the show notes click that link to fill out the form about lab pricing and I'll hook you up with a lab that is awesome for you. Now, let's talk wages. All right, I'm going to give you an example task that maybe an office does not like doing. Let's say it's just a data entry task into the computer. It has to be done, let's say, biweekly. And it takes, you know, five hours a month. You know, what is a reasonable fee to expect for something like that. And you mentioned earlier that wage does not necessarily have to do with quality. Yeah. It's, I guess it's not rocket science when it comes to, you know, when you work with an outsourced agency, when you work with somebody like Unbottleneck that hires team members remote, we're able to have a lower cost because their cost of living is lower. Uh, therefore, you know, we can pass that along. I mean, if you think about like, what is an entry level worker in the US cost, you might think of like, probably something around $15 an hour is like the most entry level. Right. That's about what we pay in optometry and optical. You know, a decent starting pay, no experience, 15 bucks about. Okay. And if, and if that's all you're thinking, like if that's the wage itself, then especially if you're going to talk about like hiring, the external expenses of hiring outside of, of the wage itself could be an extra at least 30%. I would say you're at least going to pay an additional 30% on things like employee taxes. Uh, if you're, That's assuming you're not giving them any benefits. So you're probably pay- paying like at least at minimum 30% additional in terms of the actual cost of hiring and managing an employee. Now, when it comes to something like, let's just like what you were talking about, data entry, five hours a week, a team member with us, you'd probably be paying between 11 and $12 an hour at most for something like that. And that's, you know, conservatively the high end. Now, I think this always worries people. Oh, this task is so complicated and tedious. And, you know, it took me years to get this perfected. How, how do we teach somebody across the world how to do something? What, what's that process look like? And what if one of your team members quits? Are, are we screwed? Are we starting all over? That's part of why we started on Bottleneck in the first place. I've had to deal with that specific issue a lot, um, having to retrain people, having to start over. So one of the things that we do when you work with us is we have a team often, especially if it's tasks that are not, uh, let's call them like super highly skilled tasks. And by that, I mean like coding or something at the, at that level. If it's not at that level, often what we do is we'll have a team member that's paired with another team member. So we'll have uh, a team member that is the lead for the contract and then a backup team member that can support them in case power goes out, they're sick or, you know, God forbid something happens to them and we need somebody to fill in. So we reduce the downtime as much as possible by having uh, team members work together. And because we do that, we're able to get more done 
and it requires us to do a lot of documentation so that if there's a process that you guys have identified as this is what's really effective for our business, uh, part of what we do as a service is we document that process. You own all the documentation. You get to see everything that we've done through the reports. And at the end of the day, uh, if we improve any, any of the processes, you get all of that benefit that you've invested time in and that we've invested time in as part of the service. Yeah, I will say that you've improved a lot of my internal processes. Just software tools that I didn't know existed, ways of organization. And that just comes from the collaboration you know, weekly that we get. Now, how do we uh, actually talk to these outsourced people? Are we, are we texting them? Are we on WhatsApp, Slack, email? Are we Zooming? Yeah. So, I mean, as you, as you know, like we were talking right now, I'm in DC. So, I don't actually get to have a beer directly with Perry face to face. It's a bummer because I'm looking forward to it one day. But in the meantime, we have access to all of the same systems. So, the team members are going to join you on Zoom. They're actually going to join you on whatever system you prefer that you use already with your uh, external team. So, Perry reaches out to me through Zoom. We talk through Zoom. Perry and I, we also talk through WhatsApp. Now, the team, Remote teams, anybody that's outside of the U.S., many of anybody that is outside of the U.S. uses WhatsApp. So it was really easy for us to, to partner with Perry because he already used WhatsApp inside of his team. But we can use any system that's already being used by a client. Yeah, I communicate with David and his team through WhatsApp. And it's just easy. You know, it's a record that's on there. If we ever need to go back a month and search something that we forgot, like it's just there, you know. Um, as far as like password management even... We have that all set up with you. I use a system called Dashlane, and it's my account. I share the passwords with you. I know it's all safe. That's right. Yeah, that's actually part of our internal process as well. If you didn't already have a system, we, we internally have a system that we use for secure password sharing. So all of that's done through a secure network on a digital online service that we use. So security is part of the process that we are doing to set up. Now, let's go through a little exercise here. Uh, there's going to be a lot of doctors listening to this who are business owners. We have a lot of wholesalers who are listening to this. And they're wondering, how can I free up time in my life? And a lot of it is a, a critical thinking strategy. We have to think, okay, what are tasks that I do weekly or daily that I could just offload to somebody else? Right? So how does someone critically think about stuff that they could potentially offload to you or some other outsourcing agency? Yeah, well, it's funny because that's actually, it's a very difficult process to do, especially if you're used to doing everything yourself. So usually what happens is there'll be one task that you can think of that you're like, I know this takes three hours of my day every day. And I know that this process, this task, I could train somebody to do. That's usually, we'll just call it like the foot in the door, the gateway. We end up having a conversation based on that task. And as soon as we end up having that conversation with most clients, they start to see like, okay, we end up basically having some sort of like consultation. We look through, okay, now that you've got that task, here's the other things that we can do. And here's the processes we use to do it. That's what opens up the door for them to see like, oh, well, I mean, I've got a customer success manager on my account that does a lot of the critical thinking and tries to help me figure out how to improve overall. And in that situation, we end up discovering other processes and other things that clients become more comfortable letting go of as they realize they've got a critical thinking team on their side that's helping manage some of those processes that will help them even think through the process of letting go of those tasks. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I'm already thinking of two things top of my mind. Uh, let's say you see a lot of diabetic patients. Those patients need to be recalled on a more consistent manner. And 
there's really not systems within optometry and ophthalmology to do that. It's kind of manual. You got to pull the reports. You got to call the patients, email them, text them. That's one thing that could be helpful. Let's say you also have dry eye patients. Let's say you talk to them about dry eye disease and you say, hey, you need IPL, you need Lipiflow, you need Ilux, but they don't convert. What are you going to do to get that patient back in? Are you going to let wait a whole nother year till they schedule their yearly eye exam? Or are you going to have a team actually monitor this patient list and try to kind of engage with them? Not sell them, just engage with them. And that's something that you really need, you know, human to human interaction for. With Entrepreneur, we have a lot of list engagement, you know, routines. So all of you listening, I know who, who edges. I know uh, what, what softwares you're on. And I'm trying to engage with you, not to sell you crap, but I, I want to help you. And by me reaching out to you, I can help you. Yeah. Well, can you tell us some of the success stories that, that you've had? Who are some of the uh, clients? You don't have to mention them by name, but like, how have you transformed them to you know, earn more revenue, get vacation time? Spend more time with their kids. Okay, so one client that we work with, he's used to working with contractors. Uh, his whole organization is built on technology and contractors. So he's basically the only employee of his company. And he's been doing this for like 30 years. What And that this company sells services to like provide you on-hold messaging, things like that. So we basically, for him, while he was used to managing a lot of this stuff himself... We showed him ways that we could basically automate a lot of his system. So although I mentioned, you know, a lot of jobs would be taking, taken by automation, when you're a super small company, you're trying to keep your budget down. That's one of the things that our team's pretty aware of is we also want to keep things as accurate as possible. We want to keep things as, as low budget as possible and as dependable as possible. And a lot of times that will mean automating some processes. So we're aware of automation. We set up some automations for our clients uh, and then we end up managing it so that the systems are as efficient as possible. And for him, we set up things like some automated campaigns to get new clients and processes that helped manage the flow inside deals, inside his customer relationship management software. So now where he was managing a lot of this stuff himself as an individual, like independent business owner that had contractors that were doing the actual service that he provides, we helped him set up processes that basically are now bringing in leads automatically. He had to do all the phone calls, all the direct networking, but now we've got campaigns and softwares and systems in place that we set up for him to where basically he's got a white glove service that's bringing him in leads. I'd say, you know, at least this month, I think we've had probably four or five leads that have created some new business for him. And he used to have to basically just hit the phones, hit the streets daily himself to figure this out. Yeah, that's, that's a good streamlining process, especially, yeah, lead generation is hard really for a lot of businesses. Yeah. And vision care, you know, we rely on insurance panels for lead generation. You're on the list. Hey, come on in. It's not the most profitable patient for us, but it, you know, it's something. David, I know a lot of people here might have really small tasks that are like pesky and they might feel like, ah, oh, he's not going to want to take me on. I can't pay him enough. Um, do you have a minimum? What does that look like? One of the things that we do is if it's a specific project, we might take on a specific project only if it's recurring. Like we don't usually do just like a, a one-off project. But if you have like a, this is a task that we run through our business every month, that gives us the ability to try to make that task as efficient as possible. And because I mentioned that we, we end up pairing with like a customer success manager on the account and a backup team member, we end up identifying other opportunities for you to help see if it's like, 
hey, you know, you've, you've improved this process. But as we were improving this process, we identified here are a few things you could do to really be successful in this area. We usually take on clients that are willing to do about at minimum half time. We could take on smaller projects if, as long as they're recurring. I think we could take on something like 10 to 15 hours a week, 10 hours a week being minimum. And that would basically make sure that we're handling that task on a recurring basis and have the ability to look for opportunities to maybe grow within your company and free up more of your time than just the 10-hour tasks. And I'm going to encourage everybody listening, no, on a bottleneck and David, they can learn it. They can do it. And they're, they're eager to learn. Um, how do people generally teach you? Do you do like a screen share and people kind of walk you through the process? You record the screen, you document because I think that's what a lot of people are worried about. Like, oh man, this is crazy complicated. There's no way they could learn it. Yeah, well, what's nice is in, unlike when you're in a uh, business setting and you're training a team member in person, we do, we do have the ability to record the training that you provide us. Often businesses who train people, especially small businesses, don't always have like the documentation of the training. It's my knowledge passed on to the next person and hopefully they get it and hopefully they take it and then it goes on. And if I lose them, then I've got to train my knowledge to somebody else. In our situation, we often will be creating shared files where we will do documentation. We'll provide it to you after we've had some training, and then we're going to operate on these. So we're basically going to plan the work, and then we're going to work the plan, and we're going to provide you the plan that we put together with you and with your training. Okay. Now, we've been talking about you know small businesses. Can you work at a more corporate level? Let's say we have 50, 200 employees, 300 employees. Can you help automate some stuff and, and you know be an intermediary there? Yeah. So the size of the company is actually less important. So we can, we can work with companies of just about any size. What usually ends up happening in the larger companies is we, we will end up getting focused on a specific area that they haven't grown. So an area for a company that maybe has 200 plus employees, maybe the company is built and grown based on being a sales forward company. So their whole staff is focused on a specific sales strategy. Maybe they acquire other businesses, but they, they don't have any sort of marketing in their entire business. And then they've grown to the point where they realize that their big competitors are really killing it out there in terms of marketing, content, things like that. So in those situations, we usually bridge the gap in areas that a larger company has not focused on, and they've reached the point where they actually need to focus there now. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. We, you got to focus, and you guys really do help with that focus. I would say I've I go off on tangents in my business and you're like, no, Perry, that, I, that idea is shit. Let's get back to the basics or, you know, let's pivot here. And that, that has, has helped. David, I think at most executive levels or doctors, I like to think in terms of our time is worth anywhere from $500 to $1,000 an hour. Now, it doesn't mean we're personally making that much money an hour, but our business is billing out that much. A good optometrist can gross $1,000 an hour. So $8,000 a day. A really good one can gross more than $1,000 a day. So when a doctor sits down at their desk for admin time, they can make a thousand bucks an hour, but now they're working at $15 an hour. What do you say to that? One, most of the time in those situations, it's interesting to me how rarely people value their own time. They don't pay attention to their own time because it doesn't always translate to dollars to them. They're like, oh, well, nobody else can do this. There's nobody else for this. This is just, they average out the, the business's total revenue across all of their efforts. And they don't pay attention to, if I focused all of my time on revenue, then this is how much revenue I would get. 
at the end of the day, a lot of professionals are doing like really intense work during the, during the day. And they're like, man, I get to sit down and do this really mind numbing work. This is relaxing, you know? Yep. Now, if that's like an optician and it's not the owner of the business or not the manager, then they get to feel great. You know, they, it's like, okay, well, basically it's taking a break, but for the business managers, that's lost revenue. Like I can look at that, especially if I have any sort of system that shows me like the performance and I'm actually reviewing the data, then that's revenue that I can't get back. As soon as that day has gone, it's, it's gone. That's where I think, you know, if you can, somebody who's basically got like an overall business perspective, and those are the kinds of people that I end up working with is like somebody that manages the business overall our team ends up having a consultant look at that and like, where are the areas of opportunity? If you could really focus here, how much revenue could you get and how much is that worth? And it's only going to cost you 11 to $15 an hour to free up 10 hours a day. And that 10 hours a day, like you're saying is worth a thousand dollars each. You immediately get your money back. Yeah, no, it's an instant ROI. Well, David, I want I want to throw you a few compliments here so people can realize the scale at which you've affected my business. And a lot of people will probably listen to this wonder, what the hell do I do for a living? Do I just like record audio and make silly videos? My core business is a lot of B2B marketing. So technology companies, especially in the startup world with an iCare, uh, partner with me to get the word out for lead generation and promotion. The faster I can get word out about software and industry, the less staff members and practices they don't have to do this, you know, BS work. They can focus on helping people rather than, you know, outreach and stuff like that. So you've really helped me uh, with that. Obviously, or organizational things I'm okay at, but you've really amplified it, I would say. And then email. Email is powerful. I know it's archaic. We think it's archaic. I was listening to another podcast and it, it, it says that social media is great for marketing and advertising, right? But Apple, for instance, Apple has all this privacy things that are ongoing now. So we cannot target people for marketing. But email is the one thing that is still personal that we have access to and will ne that will never go away. So uh, if you're not in the email marketing, revisit it and uh, ask David how you know he think he could help you. Well, wrapping up here, what are some actions you think people can take now to assess their situation, free up time, and hopefully you know, increase their business revenues in the future. One of the first things I would do if I was a individual, like a independent business owner listening to this podcast, I would try to challenge myself. If I, if I am one of the people that believes that nobody can do the work that I do and that nothing that I do can be transferred to anybody. That's usually, it's a limited mindset. It's not a growth mindset. And if you're wanting to actually build the business, you need to be in a growth mindset. So what's the kind of things that really challenge yourself? What are things that I could with the right partner, I could hand off. And if I did that, I could refocus my time on these, on these unique areas that only I can deliver value to growing the business like Perry does specifically networking and finding more revenue. Those are where you probably should be focusing if you're an independent business owner. As far as like, after, you know, listening to this podcast, if you think there are things that you could be doing that could help grow your business, or you think that there's a partner out there for you, I, I would welcome you to, you know, visit the unbottleneck.com website. I'll put a link in the show notes too. I think that'll be helpful. Just fill out the form and we'll make sure David gets your information. Yeah. And then when you're doing that, just make sure in the notes that you heard about this from Perry's podcast. Uh, we'll make sure that when we uh, connect, you know, we'll, we'll know where you came from. We can help evaluate your business and help identify where are there are areas that you could free up your own time and really try to focus on growth.
if you're in optometry and you're going to hire David or have questions, I'd be happy to at least sit in on a one session just to get my feedback. There's no charge for it. I'm just genuinely curious how we can increase efficiencies. And I like meeting people. Well, David, um, I want to thank you for, for being on the, the podcast here. I love outsourcing. My dad always jokes, Perry, you outsource literally your whole, your whole freaking life. Dry cleaning, housekeeping. Yeah, well, that's, how, that's what this gig economy is all about. It's not, it's not the age where people like spent 50 years in the same career and had a pension and retired. That's not how this works. Now, now we're building businesses on networks, and, and that's, that's, the, that's the real value is you're, you're building a business on a network of people that support you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was listening to another podcast about blockchain this morning, and just we are getting more into direct relationships in the world. And we're trying to cut the middleman out, right? Cut the middleman out. They gave the example of when a music artist produces a song. It used to be if they got a million hits or something, you know, they're going to get like $45,000 or something. But now you get a million hits and you get 45 cents. It's because there's a lot of layers in between. You have Spotify, you have the producers, and everybody's getting a cut. And in this today's world, we got to cut out the beef and we got to get direct to the source and, and be smarter with our money. And one of them is just using our, our networks here to do that. Well, anyways, again, go to the show notes. If you want to connect with uh, David and his team, at least get a uh, consultation call. And if anything, you'll just, they'll give you a little snippet of advice and you'll have a friendly face. Thanks so much, David. No problem. Thanks for having me, Barry. You're welcome. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Do me a favor before you leave. I'll give you hugs and kisses virtually here. Give me a five-star review. If you love listening to it, you love the entrepreneurial spirit, that way others can find it and enjoy eye care at its finest. Thank you. Go, go, go right now. Leave a review, please. This brings us to the end of another episode of Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes. Go ahead and click over to our website, entrepreneur.com, or head over to Facebook to join our special Facebook group, Entrepreneur. See you there.